Blog Talk Radio. Biosecurity for Birds program and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Hey, be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at KalmbachFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, Feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. I'm about to say something that may shock you. There's a chance the mealworm treats you're feeding your chickens are doing them more harm than good. Most of the mealworms sold in the U.S. are hollow and empty because of how they're processed, leaving them with little or no nutritional value. The problem is chickens love healthy insects like mealworms, but there hasn't been a way to get access to them in large quantities. Until now. The only mealworm company I endorse is The Honest Worm because of the way they raise and process their mealworms. Now, they've set aside some bags only for my listeners to try for free. Just cover the cost of shipping and handling. Head on over to freemealworms.com. That's freemealworms.com. If you don't see sold out at the top of the page, that means there's still some bags left, but only for a limited time. Go to freemealworms.com and get your free bag today. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. 
I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. And the Mighty Bird Against Prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky... <laughs> You'll know it's Super Chicken. This looks like a job for... Super Chicken? You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Kalmbach Feed. So uh, we have a great show lined up for you today. Uh, we've got, of course, our good friend, poultry veterinarian, Dr. Maurice Pateski, and he's going to be discussing, uh, you know, really <laughs> lots of things, but egg and shell abnormalities uh, today with your backyard flock. And we see a lot of these questions on some of the blogs and forums, and, oh, have you ever seen an eggshell like this or an eggshell like that? Or, look, there wasn't even a shell on there. There's just shell membrane. Um, look at this tiny, tiny little egg. I think actually out on the blogs and forums, they call them an egg fart, <laughs> to be honest with you. And they're the size of a, maybe a nickel. And then some people will have these uh, isa brown eggs that are uh, just uh, barely fit in the palm of their hand. They're so big. And they, they, you know. So, um, you know, different types of uh, patterns or colors or specks on the egg, little, little uh, um, um, I guess, uh, raised areas of, um, I guess, calcium deposits on there that make it a little rough and all different kind of things like that that we're going to talk about, about the eggs you maybe encounter in your backyard. Because let's face it, really at the end of the day, regardless of what pole you look at, most folks get into the backyard chicken keeping for the awesome, wonderful, tasteful um, eggs that we get from our backyard friends. Um, and then, of course, if that's all they know is eggs and pets, then, you know, once they get the chickens, they realize all the other great benefits um, about their backyard flocks. So don't have any chickens in the news for you today. The chicken chat room is open. We're trying this again for 2018. Uh, back a few years ago, it was super hot and awesome and popular, and we had, you know, 40, 50, 60 people uh, in the chat room. So we're starting to, uh, again, and get that back up going because I know a lot of people enjoy the, uh, enjoy the chat room. And that's where you can ask questions, too, to the guests we have on, whether it be uh, Dr. Pateski or um, 
Dr. Richard McRae and, and all the other experts that we have on the show, uh, so you can interact as well. And you can always call in with your questions as well if you have them um, at 347-637-3237. We have over 50 open phone lines uh, are available to us, 347-637-3237. I'm trying to think if there's anything new regarding the Chicken Whisperer Tour. I know that in April from the 6th to the 20th, I'll be in Michigan. Uh, I think I've got four, three or four events towards the 20th, towards the end of the tour, that will be in Ohio. But by far the majority of the tour this year will be in Michigan. And we're actually uh, have doubled down, I guess, uh, on weekends. It's, it's a commercial. It's actually a retail store uh, up in Michigan, and uh, we'll be doing a couple of shows on Saturdays and Sundays. So we'll do a speaking event, probably like a Saturday morning and a Saturday afternoon, different stores. And uh, because you know, being retail, weekends work really well for them uh, to fill up classes. Where some of the smaller mom and pops we were do weekday evenings. Still have some of those actually on this tour, but. Um, Check out my Facebook page. You'll see where I'm going to be. Of course, we'll have uh, both books available, The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens and Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop that was just released in December. So we'll have those available for you for uh, um, autograph and purchase and lots of information from USDA APHIS on biosecurity. We'll have their calendar. We'll have uh, really cool spiral notebook handouts, uh, pamphlet handouts, uh, different things like that for you regarding that's always a good event. There's always normally food available and drink. Um, and then, of course, uh, this year, because it is more of like a retail store, uh, then we are having to shorten it. That's tough for me. Someone who can talk days and days about chickens, normally our events are two to two and a half hours. They're like, hey, we need to really limit this to whew, maybe an hour and a half total. So um, it's uh, maybe an hour and 15 minutes. So at the end of the day, from beginning to end, I may have uh, 70 minutes to check. Talk about part for me on the tour is going to be actually designing uh, the outline for my speaking events to limit, okay, what's, <laughs> it's hard for me to say, okay, what would be most important? It's all important, but what would be most important and pertinent for the folks that are showing up? So it's gonna, that's going to be the hardest part for me. But um, i trying to think if there's anything else. If you noticed over on um, my Facebook page, I don't think anybody else has, I've known this for a couple of months now, maybe even longer than that, October, November, December, January, maybe five months I've known this. I had to keep it kind of hush-hush because uh, it was top secret. But um, if you noticed on my Facebook page yesterday that this is kind of interesting, that Eggland's Best, we all know them. They're famous for their eggs that you find in the grocery stores. They have many different varieties from their original Eggland's Best to um, their organic to their cage-free and all the other, other labels that they have and the different eggs that they provide. But um, uh, And I know basically who mixes all of this for them and whatnot, and it's good stuff. But uh, if you noticed yesterday, I posted a couple of times that Eggland's Best, uh, who are known for their better, quote, quality eggs that, um, that are in the grocery store, they have come out absolutely within the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't know if it's even in the stores yet. They've come out with their own brand of backyard poultry feed, backyard chicken feed. I'm pretty sure they've got the starter and they've got um, the pellets and they've got the crumbles and they've got organic, they've got non-GMO, uh, and that's non-GMO certified or verified as non-GMO, not just, oh, hey, it's non-GMO. But um, I thought that was very interesting. 
they'll be running a full-page ad in the spring issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine uh, and probably the other issues as well and uh, we've got other advertising opportunities with them and including even a spokesperson role. So I thought that was very interesting because they already have kind of the the brand, if you will. You say Eggland's best. People already know what that means or what they think that means based on a couple of decades or so of of um, their eggs being in the store, but they uh, they now have their own blend of Eggland's best backyard poultry feed, backyard chicken feed. So um, and it's going to be in stores nationwide, my understanding. So uh, interesting. You can comment. I've shared with them also some of the I call it blowback. Some of the challenges they may get from some of the consumers. Um, I know that when we're talking about that, and it doesn't affect everybody. It's kind of like. Um, I'll give you I'll give you an example. Uh, when I promote uh, one of my newer sponsors, the um, the Honest Worm, uh, that you know, look at your mealworms that you're giving your chickens and break them in half. What do you see? And you see nothing because they're hollow because of the way they're processed. With the Honest Worm, Honest Worm, um, their uh, marketing uh, advantage here and all is just the eyeball. Now look, look at our worms. They're full. The guts are in there. We're full of it. <laughs> um, and so, uh, what do you do? You want to give your chickens this exoskeleton, just this hollow worm? Because the honest worm is 98% of the real live worm. They lose about 2% due to the moisture content coming out of that live worm to be able to package it and ship it. And so. Uh, these worms also, we talked about this when we had the uh, pr- company president on, are coming out of China, for example. And um, a couple of years ago, I had made that very public to people and say, hey, look, most of the mealworms you're giving your chickens are sourced from China. You can like it, you can not like it, but it's just educational. I was informing you guys of this. Some people don't like it, some people don't care, they're still buying them, obviously, because people are selling and buying a boatload of these things. Um, so um, it'll affect some folks and some folks won't care just like everything else in life and so yeah the for example the uh, uh, honest one of our source from china we had the president on we talked about where they're sourced how they're sourced the quality the testing they go through that even some worms that were made are produced here in the u.s don't even have to go through that testing that they do because they're coming out of china anyway you can listen to the podcast and make a decision for yourself but um where was i going with i know where i was going with this so but it's funny when i post that people are like where are, are they coming out of china too I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you. I'm, I'm not doing playing whistleblower here because it's just a fact. But um, if you, if you take a look at this, then um, I know I'm looking at something here. One of the things that um, that's very interesting is that if you buy feed from big box store, let's say Tractor Supply, your mom and pop, if you're buying the the big brands, we'll just say the Combox feeds, the Nutrina, the Purina, the um, Do More feed. Uh, probably, I would say, uh, Blue Seal. And I had a conversation with uh, one of the companies uh, just this week about this. Because odd people say, oh, they're from China, I don't want to buy that, or I only buy American, da 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 If you're buying any of those feeds that I just listed, <laughs> probably, because I'm not 100% sure, so I'm gonna, but I'm very, very positive that probably 9 out of 10, 90% of the chance that the feed you're feeding your chickens, if it's from the vitamins that they add to that, to those pellets, to, are coming from China. You heard it here first, folks. I've done this for a few years. I've kind of sat on it because it's not anything that would be a whistleblower, or but it's just it's kind of that point now where um, you know I've got a sponsor and they do pull things from China, and you're like, no, I'm not going to buy these mealworms because they're coming from China, but yet you're giving uh, this name brand feed that you buy at Tractor Supply or your local feed store or wherever to your chickens every day, not thinking about it. 
and the vitamins that are mixed in as they make those pellets, as they make that crumble, as they make that, uh, we'll say, uh, commercial feed that you're buying in the retail store, all those vitamins are coming from China. So uh, it's just one of those things I wanted to share with you today. I may have a write-up in my magazine about it um, uh, from from companies that do nothing but provide these feed companies with the vitamins because that's where vitamins are coming from. We're not even producing any vitamins here. I mean, there's some bees that aren't even you can't even get produced in, in the United States. Uh, Europe has some, the U.K., uh, China, I think some are coming out of India, but by far most of the vitamins, even in the stores for humans, are coming out of China. Same thing. Uh, so it just, it's one of those things that to me is kind of laughable just because people don't understand. They'll say, they'll say things like, uh, oh, um, I don't want to uh, uh, buy these new ones because they're coming out of China, but their vitamins they're giving their uh, chickens every single day are, com- are coming from China just because they don't know. So I'll probably do a write-up this in one of the uh, Chicken Whisperer magazines coming up um, and just kind of give an overview of the history of this and so people can know it's not like a whistleblower. There's nothing to whistleblow. It's just the fact that you can't get vitamins from the USA, so they're being sourced out of uh, China. And basically the, the rigorous testing that goes through with all these so, uh, so yeah, you can complain about the mealworms coming from China as you pour your feeder full of this feed that you just got at the big box store, uh, and guess what? Vitamins from China. So just just one of those things that make you go, hmm, and things you don't know. know. But, but, yeah, so um, the uh, feed, I know who's mixing the feed for them, very, very good quality stuff, but uh, that's uh, Eggland's best if you want to look at that in the store and say, whoa, wow, that's pretty cool. So you heard it, heard, heard it here first. I haven't seen anybody in the backyard poultry arena even mentioned this yet. I don't know if it's on the shelves yet. The press release has been out there. Eggland's Best uh, has now come out with their backyard feed. Uh, for If you want egg, their, your chickens to lay eggs that are, uh, I guess, the, the premiseras like the quality of egg that Eggland's Best is putting in the stores, well, you can have Eggland's Best uh, eggs in your backyard. Uh, oh, I know what I was going with this. But, but I know the blowback we were talking about uh, that I'm talking with uh, and have mentioned to the marketing department uh, with um, Eggland's Best is that I know that they push a lot of our hens, are, when they're promoting their eggs anyway, our hens are fed an all-vegetarian diet. And I understand completely why they're doing that. I understand that the, 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 the marketing behind that, totally get that. Oh, we don't use any uh, animal byproducts in our feed, that type of thing. Totally get that, understand that. Uh, that's, you know, but, but I think some of the blowback they'll get from, from backyard poultry keepers is that, well, when you think about it, <laughs> that's not even a hen's natural diet. Why would I want to feed my hens a feed that um, is all vegetarian when that's not even their natural diet. I want to feed my hens a natural diet, which and they're eating meat. They're eating snakes, and we're going. We can get into biosecurity later about that. And mice, yeah, not a good idea. We talked about that, but it's interesting. Um, so, so we're, I'm sharing things with them and their marketing team about things that they may get. I, I say blowback or, or the things that they're going to see posted when they start promoting uh, their feed. Regarding that, just just to give them the heads up, what to expect. I've uh, been in this rodeo for a long time, over a decade, and I know exactly some of the comments that they're going to get based on on pushing their uh, good quality backyard feed. So it's going to be interesting uh, about how that works and see if they're successful with the uh, Eggland's Best uh, backyard chicken feed. And uh, I know it's a good quality product because I know who's mixing it for them. And um, 
it's uh, so it's good stuff, just depending on what you want to buy. And then that kind of led me into the China vitamins that are going into most all these poultry feeds are coming from China, and people are hesitant to buy mealworms from China, but they don't just because they don't know the majority of the vitamins are in their poultry feed already are coming from China. So uh, you know, it's it's <laughs> oh, welcome to my world, just information overload. But I love it because I can share it with people and I can educate people about that. Let's get on with our show today. We've got uh, Dr. Maurice Viteski, uh and uh, from UC Davis. We're talking about uh, egg shell or egg and shell abnormalities. So let's go ahead and bring him on the show. Get that pen and paper out that you can always for pen and paper, so you can take lots of notes about these. We talked earlier about all these different things we see with our eggs, and uh, he's going to hopefully. Uh, make some sense with this and what we might find. And uh, this is absolutely normal. And uh, you know, this is going to happen on occasion. It's absolutely nothing to worry about. So let's get over here and uh, let um, give it up for uh, Dr. Pateski. Maurice, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Great topic uh, choice today. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Andy. It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, your two cents worth on that, because uh, it's something I've known for years, and it's something I've, I've just kept in, in the back of the book, waiting to kind of for it to come, I guess, not to a head, but just waiting for the right time to, to kind of make it public. And it has nothing to do with being a whistleblower. It just is what it is what it is. And I guess lately it's, it's kind of gotten under my skin because of a new sponsor with the, uh, with the, um, the new uh, Honest Worm. And, that, uh, and let's face it, you know, these, these mealworms that are being marketed at the backyard chicken keepers, they are selling like ama- it's just insane how much they're selling of these, China or not. And uh, so we understand some people are going to care, some people are not. But I just found it interesting that um, that they, you know, most folks just have no clue about the vitamins that's that's mixed in during the process of making the pellets, making the crumble, and off of the chickens uh, are China. So what's, I mean, I, I mean you know this obviously, and uh, at, at your level and, and whatnot. And it's really not a big deal. It's just kind of crawled under my skin because you promote a product and like, oh, it's coming from China. I'm not going to buy it just because they have no idea that they're probably giving their chickens feed that's uh, the vitamins within it are coming from China. <laughs> so it just kind of crawled under my skin. It kind of made me like uh, kind of the last straw, you know. I said, okay, here, maybe it's now time to, to uh, uh, educate some backyarders on this topic now so they have an idea and then uh, just to see what happens. But, I mean, you've known that. It, most folks in the field kind of know that, and it's just what it is. It's not a good or bad thing. It's just nobody can source vitamins from America. We're, we we can't, you know, we got to go somewhere and get them, and China's the leader right now, like it or, or not. But uh, any two cents worth on that? <laughs> Does it ever come up in your conversations with backyarders? It's never come up because they just don't know. But like I said, it's, it's kind of crawled under my skin lately. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. You know, the, the one thing I, I will comment on, which I think is kind of interesting to me, is that, you know, I, th- I think backyarders realize that uh, our chickens uh, typically like eating bugs. That's part of kind of their normal mm-hmm. diet and kind of in the wild. And I, I find it kind of interesting that the um, the commercial folks cannot um, take advantage of that natural behavior um, because currently the FDA doesn't allow it. Um, so mm-hmm. in our, uh, we have a UC Davis uh, pasture poultry demonstration farm, and we've been doing some work uh, trying mm-hmm. to see how much black soldier fly larvae we can feed mm-hmm. to the chickens mm-hmm. and see mm-hmm. if that addresses some of their amino acid deficiencies in organic poultry and also see if um, that 
that the diet with the black soldier flies, does it uh, affect uh, a quality? Does it affect taste mm-hmm. and all these mm-hmm. things? And we're, we're working on the results of that right now. But um, I find it fascinating that let, let's say best case scenario that we feed black soldier fly larvae, 20% of their diet even comes from black soldier fly larvae. So think of all the corn and the soy that we're displacing and the environmental benefits of that, because now that most, the majority of corn and soy actually gets used for animal feed in the United States. And mm-hmm. now we're, freeing up more of that corn and soy for, for human consumption, possibly energy use, all those type of things. Um, but then the next hurdle would be, well, how do we convince the FDA um, that we can um, move toward getting that approved? And there's a process to that, but these things are very, take a long time. And it, it is a little frustrating from my perspective as, as someone who, who does a lot of work with poultry and understands their behavior and their natural history that, Nutritionally, they've done this for for eons. Obviously, this is part mm-hmm. of kind of how birds operate. And I think the chickens, unfortunately, are getting caught up in uh, in regulatory rules that are probably intended for you know other food animals that um, maybe mm-hmm. weren't uh, intended to eat insects in the same way that that birds and poultry specifically can. Um, but I think it's a really interesting area, and I, I think there's especially as we move toward having to feed an extra two billion people in the next uh, 30 years or so. Um, there is a lot of interest about about insects and how we can uh, how we can move toward that. Yeah, it's kind of you know you always hear growing up like oh yeah the FDA allows so many parts per million of insect butts and, and pieces in your regular food whether it be flour or whatever you know and so yeah and, and so I guess and I was listening to some story uh, earlier this week about how insects are used even for human consumption all over the world for the, yep. the nutritional yep. benefits of that, and we're and, and we're kind of like, ooh, that's gross. And I um, but I, I guess at, at 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 the end of the day, is it basically with with the chicken issue? Is that because um, because we hear this a lot too? Is that oh well? In fact, in fact, I commented on it just this week. I think on Twitter, someone said something about. Um, uh, oh, um, free-range chickens. What is it? Uh, less disease because they're out free, or something like that. But, but I think the issue then we've talked about it on the show before is that with free-range, there's challenges there with disease. A lot of that, or some of it, I guess, would be more accurate, is related to the insects that they're picking up and eating. So I guess there's a double-edged sword there. That yeah, insects are a part of their natural diet. They're omnivores. We understand that. But those insects can lead to maybe some challenges when it comes to disease transmission and biosecurity. So, like I said, it's it's a whole other show <laughs> that we we, it, we can attack. Go ahead. It is, and I think I think the interesting and we I'd love to talk about this on another show because I think it's a, a fascinating yeah. topic. And in our lab, um, in collaboration with uh, some other groups at UC Davis, we've been doing a lot of work, and with the commercial poultry industry, industry we've been doing a lot of work to to investigate that. I think the middle ground is, you know, if you can grow uh, your black soldier fly larvae, for example, kind of in an industrial process, um, then you can reduce and mitigate any kind of disease transmission. So you grow it, you lyophilize them, you dry, basically you dry them, then you grind them up and you add them to feed. Chickens love insects, so this might be, you know, kind of a middle ground where we avoid some of those disease issues, which are completely legitimate. I completely agree with that, especially because insects love poop. So what a horrible way to get your chickens to uh, to, to get uh, any kind of disease because the insects are then going to be around the poop. The insects then are going to, you know, obviously can be carriers then of E. coli and salmonellas and those type of bacteria. And then the best way to get your sick your, your chickens sick with any disease is have them swallow it. So 
there are mm-hmm. better ways than, than <laughs> just kind of having them eat the insects that are on the ground. I completely agree with what you're saying. But I think yep. there's a really interesting uh, area there, especially as we, as we move forward, um, in, in, in that we can probably displace significant amounts of the caloric diet of our turkeys and broilers and layers with insects and the, and the mm-hmm. benefits of that um, from land use perspective, from an energy perspective, mm-hmm. from a, a global warming perspective, as far as you know, the, the benefits of growing food animals that way are, are, are significant and, and have been measured. And, and I think we're just starting to move into that area. It's like a lot of times, sometimes the science is ahead of the regulations. So we have to do the science <laughs> first and publish the papers. And then hopefully we can, uh, and I mean this with all due respect, uh, drag the regulators kicking and screaming with us over time. <laughs> They don't right. like sticking Absolutely. their necks out yeah. and saying yeah. it, it's a lot easier to say, as we all know, it's a lot easier to say no and not get in trouble than say yes and uh, put yourself at uh, any kind of exposure. Exactly. Yeah. First time listeners, if we're having any out there, they're they're probably like, oh my gosh, this podcast is like deep because we're like covering all kinds of scientific <laughs> stuff. It's, it's not just as hey, this worked for me, so it'll work for you. And oh, chickens are wonderful and great, but we we really get down to the science and and really we're core thinkers here, and we try to be, do that the best to benefit everybody and educate folks. But, yeah, first-time listeners are probably like, man, this is like deep backyard poultry stuff. But, yeah, it's fascinating. And uh, we'll definitely – I'll try to put together a show for, for that too, and then and I'll try to do something in the magazine maybe for the summer issue about the uh, vitamins and that type of thing to educate folks about that. They're, they'll complain about mealworms come from China, but yet the feed they're giving probably some of that is from China as well. Just to, again, not whistleblow, but to educate and, and get people smart on this. So let's get back to or, to our topic because this, too, is going to interest a lot of people because everybody's got chickens, they've got eggs, and they, they see these crazy things coming out of the rear ends of their of their uh, <laughs> the vent of the chicken. And they're like, oh, well, look at this one, look at that one. What's this? Is this normal? Is this right? Is there something wrong with my bird? You know, all these things. So I'm going to turn it over to you, and we'll take some notes. Great. Um, well, um is I always start all my conversations, and you know, whether we're talking about disease or, or eggshells or food safety, um, the big thing I want to focus on, you know, we're going to talk obviously about shell and egg abnormalities, um, but I think the big thing I want to focus on before that is just saying in order to have, and we all know this kind of intuitively, but in order to have uh, good quality uh, eggs, we need healthy um uh, chickens and healthy hens. And, and, and I think we know that intuitively, but sometimes we have a tendency to get so fixated on the egg, we send pictures to uh, online and we post all those pictures of our eggs and, and no one's asking about, well, tell me about the chicken. Um, because at the end of the day, obviously the egg comes from the chicken and the egg kind of reflects the disease and health status of that chicken. And then taking that one step further and just kind of, again, hopefully kind of... Um, dovetails on on previous topics we've discussed Um, in order to have healthy chickens we need a healthy environment Um, so that means their coop has to be uh, clean and the temperature has to be um, comfortable in there the water has to be clean the food has to be uh, available and clean and nutritious Um, once we have a breakdown in any of those um, we are going to see changes in the hen's health and then eventually we're going to see changes in the eggs so i get a little frustrated when people take their chickens to a veterinarian and uh, the veterinarian is really only seeing the, the kind of the tip of the iceberg. They're really only seeing the chicken, and the chicken maybe has a disease or nutritional problem or has some kind of lameness, whatever it be. 
Um, but the reality is that that really reflects what's going on in the coop. And, and as veterinarians, I think, and as, as poultry owners, um, really what we need to focus on is not so much the chicken, but the environment that the chicken's being raised. If we do a good job there, if we do good biosecurity, if we have good husbandry, we have healthy feed, clean, cool water, everything else takes care of itself. We'll have nice, good quality eggs. We'll have happy hens uh, for the most part. So I can't stress how important that, that understanding just the basics of, of husbandry are. And if you can do that again, I think that really has a, um, a very positive effect on, on your eggs. And just as an example, you know, when we think about, you know, kind of egg quality, we'll talk about a, a couple things that you want to kind of consider, but as the temperature rises in, in your coop, the egg quality worsens. Um, and there's been a lot of data that shows, you know, once you start getting above 90, 100 degrees, uh, it is it is much more, you're more likely to have abnormalities or uh, significant problems with eggs, including things like cracking and things like that. The last thing I want to mention, and I, I, I kind of always get on my high horse about this, so I'm a veterinarian, I'm also an epidemiologist, so that's just a fancy way of saying I like playing with numbers, and the one thing I really encourage people to do is keep track of how many eggs their hens are laying every day, um, especially um, you know when you have kids. I think this is a great way to start learning you know how productive your birds are. And the reason I ask this, the reason I, I tell people to always do this, either do it on a on a spreadsheet on a computer or a piece of paper, however whatever you're comfortable with. But the nice part about that is when you know what your baseline is, when you know what you can you can benchmark your your production against, then when something abnormal happens, you'll you'll understand that. And just from the simplest perspective, you want to know how many eggs you're producing per day, and then you want you can add additional columns. But the the other thing that you might want to capture is how many floor eggs you're getting. So are are all the eggs being uh, laid on the ground? Um, and that, that's a problem, and we can talk about that a little later. Primarily a genetic problem, but there are some um, husbandry things we, we can encourage and do in order to encourage our hens to lay eggs in nest boxes. Um, that's a real problem when you do kind of international work. Um, when you don't have nest boxes, um, the, the owners are literally kind of on a, no pun intended, on a wild goose chase looking for, for eggs everywhere. And, and that's fun for a little, but that also, you know, when you're actually looking to get some food, um, it's not a very productive way to uh, to find your eggs, and in fact, you lose a lot of eggs that way. And especially if you have problems with your eggs, you're you're not likely to see them. So let's say you have that that problem that we've probably all seen pictures of, or, or some of us have probably dealt with, where an egg is missing a shell. Well, if your egg is actually missing a shell, and you've got that kind of gelatinous egg there without a shell, which we'll talk about a little later. If that's laid on the ground, I, you're more likely than not to never find that egg. So you don't even know if you have a problem. So things that you might want to consider capturing in, in your kind of data are how many eggs you're collecting per day. Um, and then you might want to capture how many floor eggs you're, of those eggs that you're collecting per day. And then the last column could just be how many abnormal eggs you're collecting, how many cracks you're collecting, uh, how many things have a weird uh, leathery feel on the egg. And you can kind of have a little comment um, description. So if you have one egg, for example, that has a crack in it, you can write, okay, there was a crack in this egg, um, and it was um, it was a it was a it was a crack that was we would describe it as like a pinhole or something like that, or there was a crack that was more significant, and you can kind of capture that and start trying to understand trends. Um, and what I would say is that as you as you start understanding that that data. Um, when you do have something abnormal, let's say you have a lot of cracks in eggs. Let's say you're noticing, hey, I'm getting like 10% of my eggs now that have cracks in them. 
and when I started out with this flock, we were only at about two or three percent. Um, that's really, really important to capture because that could be that 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 that's that ten percent number is is what I would consider abnormal, but I would consider a normal percentage of cracks, which commonly happens, um, to be about three to four percent. Now, as birds age, as they get older, you will get more cracks in your eggs, but it won't get to ten percent. It might get to six or seven percent. So what I would say is keep track of that information because when you're talking to your veterinarian, when you're talking to uh, an extension specialist like myself, um, when you're going online, you know, um, and hopefully working with people that, that, are, that are knowledgeable and, and that um, you know, can share uh, information, accurate information, it's so important to understand where you were a week ago or two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Um, and once you understand that, then you can really, um, I think, provide uh, much more useful information. So um, I wanted to talk a little about just kind of the different categories of problems that you might want to kind of uh, consider and, and then talk about a couple examples of them um, as far as, you know, different types of, um, of different types of eggs that you might see. So one general category are these shell abnormalities that, that result typically from the hen. Um, so what I mean by that is, for as an example, excuse me, what I mean, what, what I mean is, is let's say you had manure on the egg. Um, so that's something to really keep track of um, because if you have manure on, on the egg, that could be a result of some kind of intestinal disease, maybe you have diarrhea, um, and, and it's really important. Um, normally their fecal material, even if it's this fecal um, mucousy um, material, should not be on the egg at all. Um, so we should really take note of that. Now, if we have floor eggs and we notice fecal material on them, that's a completely different thing. That's usually a, um, a symptom of the egg being laid on the floor, and there's also fecal material on the floor. Um, but if you do see fecal material on an egg that is laid in a nest box, that can certainly be a sign that the bird has, has diarrhea, which is obviously not normal. And then we'd want to start considering, okay, why, do, why, do we, why are we consistently getting that? One thing I want to stress is, and I think you did a nice job of alluding to it earlier, there are going to be abnormal eggs, and sometimes you're just going to shrug your shoulders. Sometimes you're going to see something and you're like, eh, nothing, to, nothing really to key in on here. But if you keep capturing that and you're saying, okay, we used to have, um, you know, we talked about the cracks, or we used to have uh, blood on the eggs maybe once every week. Now we're getting blood on a lot of eggs. Um, or now we're getting diarrhea, we're getting fecal material on a lot of eggs. Those are, those are things that we want to kind of start capturing and paying attention to. So a second category, so the first category, we talked about these shell abnormal, abnormalities, excuse me, resulting from the hen. We can also get shell abnormalities originating at laying. Um, and this actually happens during the laying of the egg process. As we all relatively know, a, a hen will lay an egg once every 24 to 26 hours, and a lot of this depends on genetics and environment and, and how old or young the, the hens are. Um, but if you do see things like a, a rigid top or, or a ridge top, um, or um, I think that's probably the best example I can think of. You see these kind of ridges on, on one side of the egg. Um, that can actually happen from stress during laying. Um, and if you start seeing that, you kind of feel these kind of bumps on the top, there's a couple things that could be. Um, there's certainly disease, and we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. Um, but if your flock is disease-free, one of the other things that happens is when birds get stressed, um, we seem to have the shell gland seems to kind of lay that calcium um, in kind of a, almost like a, a ridged, bumpy kind of fashion. 
And you know, I think one thing that 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 sometimes we ignore a little is is the the welfare of the birds with respect to stress. So uh, you might want to then, if you see are starting to see things like this, or for example, if you're seeing blood on the eggs, um, blood on the eggs can be from vent pecking from other birds. So now we're moving into this whole genre of of welfare and understanding the behavior of the birds. And you really want to be able to try to make an assessment. Like, are we getting wild birds that are coming in here or raccoons? Are are things that are scaring? Is there a train right next to um, our coop that just started sounding its horn? Um, You want to try to understand, you know, what, why are we starting to get this kind of, um, these eggs that that have, for example, these ridge tops or blood on them. Um, Especially with the blood issue, you know, if you start getting vent pecking, um, that is not a normal type of activity, and, and the vent pecking can cause bleeding in that vent area, um, as the name implies, um, and you can see that and manifest itself at, manifests itself by having some blood on, on your eggs. Um, one of the things I'm not a welfare you know, kind of uh, specialist, but one of the things you might want to consider is uh, in putting more enrichments in the coop, um, so there are all kinds of things that you can do to kind of distract birds and, and allow them to interact with each other um, and, and allow them to interact with the environment. So things like bales of hay, for example, um, are great ways at allowing your birds um, an opportunity to kind of um, have their own environment and activities. And sometimes those enrichments do a really good job of distracting the birds uh, from from maybe some of the fighting that they would do, um, but it's really important to make those assessments to think about how many birds you have in your coop, how many nest boxes you have. Um, so we want no more than five birds per nest box. Um, do we have perches for the birds? Do we have adequate uh, feed for the birds? Um, is that feed balanced? Sometimes the vent pecking can be a consequence of not giving them a balanced ration. I know people love getting creative with uh, poultry nutrition. Um, and I, um, I have a, uh, an immense amount of respect for the people that are coming up with these rations, and I, I really hope that um, when we do uh, give chicken scratch, if we're going to give them a little or if we're going to give them any kind of scraps from our table, that we, we don't displace too much of their diet because those diets are formulated in, the, in order to allow those birds to lay eggs, and laying eggs is, is a nutritionally... Um, exhaustive process as far as how much calcium and phosphorus is going into um, that egg shell, for example, and how much protein is going in there. And especially with the calcium, it's really important to realize that the bird uh, is very selfless. It will actually uh, commit its calcium reserves to the shell before it uh, utilizes that calcium for its own bones. So if we're giving them diets that are not appropriate for a laying hen um, that you run into a real risk of those birds not having enough calcium to support their own bodies and and you can have a lot of um, physiological um, kidney disease, bone uh, fractures, keel damage uh, from them not getting the proper um, kind of diet there. Um, You know, one thing, other things that you'll see at laying, um, so you can have two eggs. So so in the reproductive tract of the hen, um, the um, 
the, the oviduct can actually have two eggs that are in there at the same time, and there is a shell gland, so the, the, the calcium is laid around the, uh, the, the, the yolk um, and around the albumin. Um, the calcium is laid in that, in that shell, and every once in a while you can actually have two uh, eggs that are forming at the same time, so I've had a couple people email me in the past where they send me a picture of an egg, and on one side it's literally like flat, um, and then the next egg comes out, and on one side it's literally flat also. Um, so you can get that scenario where uh, the ovary uh, produces two yolks at the same time, and the shell gland um, forms shells around two separate eggs at the same time, but then those eggs kind of smush up against each other and create this kind of uh, flat structure. So it's amazing how many different pictures you get from people, um, and, and uh, it, it's kind of one of those interesting things that, uh, that, that gets sent to you, all these different kind of eggs that have all kinds of things that are abnormal. Uh, most of them, I will say this, uh, if not all of them, are, are not human health issues. Uh, the only time that I tell people to be very cautious is when we do have uh, cracks in eggs, so in the old days, I was talking to my parents, and they would say, well, you'd go to the store, and you know, you, you could buy uh, cracked eggs for less money from um, whatever uh, market they were going to in Chicago in the 1940s and 50s. Um, you can't buy those anymore because there is a, a, a human health issue because those cracks, they can be kind of a nidus uh, or like a freeway for bacteria to get inside of the yolk, and if those bacteria, especially if those bacteria get inside the yolk, there's so much nutrition and such a calorically dense area there that bacteria can really proliferate, proliferate there. So if you do have your backyard chickens and you do see cracks, um, it is so important to, um, at the minimum, cook those eggs thoroughly. And if you're being super cautious, um, you can certainly consider and I would consider it appropriate to consider throwing them out. I would not give those ones to your neighbors because you, you never know what your neighbors are going to do with them. Maybe they're going to make a Caesar salad. Maybe they don't you know, realize all the things that, that, that we're discussing as far as eggs and food safety. Um, so we talked about shell abnormalities resulting from the hen and shell abnormalities originating at laying. We also can have shell defects um, at collection and storage. Um, so we talk a lot about uh, temperature, but we should also mention humidity. So um, it's really important to not have too high humidity. So we want the, the humidity of the eggs being stored at about 75 to 80%. That's typically what we have in our refrigerator. But if the humidity is too high, uh, we have the potential for bacteria and fungi to proliferate. So it's really important that we... Um, control that, especially in some parts of the country where if we do collect our eggs and we leave them in a barn, for example, and it gets really, really humid, you know, 80, 90, 100% and sometimes of the year in the summer, um, it's really important with that warm temperature and that high humidity that we, that we don't have those eggs stay there for too long. Because even if you wash your eggs, you're going to have bacteria and fungi that will remain, that will remain on the shell. It's not going to be a completely sterile uh, shell. You've reduced the, the population and the number of bacteria and fungi uh, significantly, um, but that's another really important reason to uh, refrigerate your eggs. Um, and then the last kind of general area is shell defects due to disease. 
Um, so when we think about, again, this, we talked a little about this rigid, kind of almost leathery feel. So when you're picking up your eggs, some people, you know, are kind of robots, and they just pick them up, and they, they put them in the refrigerator, and, and they eat them. Um, it is kind of interesting, though, when you, when you do pick them up. So when you, when you go to a, uh, when you're a poultry veterinarian and walk through a farm, one of the things you want to do is, is you're, um, you want to pick up not just the hens and assess their health, um, but you also want to pick up a handful of eggs and kind of look at the, uh, the shell smoothness and um, rigidity, like how is it leathery on the shell at all, because one of the more common respiratory diseases, infectious bronchitis, um, you can often tell that there is a problem um, with the flock based upon that kind of leathery, bumpy, rigidy feel to the egg. So that's a relatively common disease, not as much in backyards, but in uh, those of you that have maybe a slightly larger flock that um, are doing some um, um, you know, pasture, poultry, or free-range production. That's a pretty common disease and a little difficult in that there's a lot of different kind of flavors of it, a lot of different strains of it um, to deal with. But I would say if you do notice some respiratory signs in your flock, and at the same time, you're starting to notice that these kind of leathery kind of eggs are coming out of your hens. Um, that's a pretty common sign that you're probably dealing with some respiratory disease. could be mycoplasma also, but most likely it's infectious bronchitis, which is a viral disease um, and can cause losses in egg production. Uh, some mortality, not a ton of mortality, um, but definitely some sickness and some abnormal eggs. But again, no effect on human health. Um, you can also see... Um, if you see kind of these pimples, um, kind of just tiny little calcifications on the egg, um, I see that quite often. I have a lot of people always email me just out of curiosity asking what those are. Again, that could be infectious bronchitis. Um, it can also just be the breed of the bird. So um, especially for backyard poultry production, there are so many different types of, of hens um, that people order that we just don't know that much about their genetics. Um, and, and that complicates our ability to really understand, uh, are we dealing with a disease process here? Are we dealing with if these hens are older? Um, or is this just the hens, this is just the way that they produce eggs? Um, I would say the same goes for those kind of speckles that you see on the eggs as far as different colorations. Um, you know, one thing I always try to convey to owners is that if we're if we're not having a problem and we're seeing something in the eggs that just looks abnormal, I pay attention to it, but I would kind of shrug my shoulders a little. Um, it's only when we're really having a, an actual problem. Are we getting a drop in egg production? Now I'm going to pay attention to, you know, the egg quality and changes in egg quality and avian health and things like that. So you, you kind of have to be able to connect the dots a little. If nothing is going on and you're just noticing something that's interesting, that's great, and it's great to capture that, but we really want to, pay attention to those things only if we're really having a problem. So, for example, I know everyone loves double yokers. So those are when we have actually two yolks. So we talked about a scenario earlier where the ovary releases uh, two yolks and then the eggshell uh, forms separately around those two yolks. Um, and that can cause kind of this flattening on one side because now both of those eggs are in the oviduct in the reproductive tract before they're um, before they're laid. Well, you can also get the same scenario where you have two yolks that are released from the ovary and one shell forms around them. Uh, those are double yolkers and, and those are very popular. Interestingly, they're illegal. Um, so you're not supposed to 
um, in theory, you're not supposed to uh, to sell those. And and the conventional poultry industry is really good at preventing that because they have they can candle um, all those eggs, and they have very smart robots and machines that can um, basically take those double yolkers out of the uh, of the food stream. The reason they're 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 illegal is because uh, nutritionally, there's twice as much cholesterol in them. Um, so it, it wouldn't it, that the label wouldn't wouldn't reflect what's actually in that egg. But I know people like them, and, and obviously they're kind of a, a nice, interesting. Um, they're kind of a nice, interesting gimmick. But I would say if you do see double yolkers, one of the causes of that could be that your 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 the light intensity um, is too high. Um, so you're trying to to obviously not only light you need 14 to 16 hours of light to get egg production but the intensity also matters um, so you might be providing too much uh, light intensity and, and that can cause those birds to kind of be a little overproductive and when you have too much light you might also notice some welfare issues you might notice that these birds are a little more flighty they're a little more aggressive maybe you're noticing a little more vent pecking and I think that's a a great example of okay you see a problem in an egg and then you have to go back not just to the hen but to the environment that the hen's being raised in and kind of try to address what those challenges are. So the eggs are, you know, they always say the eyes are the window to the soul. So the eggs in some way are kind of the windows to the to the chicken. Um, and you can kind of think about it that way in a little. But it all goes back to that kind of husbandry type of issue. Um, the other thing I would mention, sometimes when you have clear differences in coloration in eggs, um, Sometimes that's genetics again, and, and again, it's really challenging with how many different breeds there are to understand the genetics. So, for example, I've had some owners complain to me about floor eggs, and we've gone over, you know, kind of how many nest boxes they have and making sure that those nest boxes are, are um, appropriately constructed and um, all the things that we would discuss. And then they're still having, um, you know, a, a decent amount, I would say 20, 30 percent of their eggs are floor eggs. That's usually a genetic issue. Um, and that's where it gets really complicated when we're dealing with uh, breeds of chickens that we're just not, we just don't know that much about. Um, but when we do have differences in coloration, one of the other diseases that we do think about is um, we do think about mycoplasma. Um, and mycoplasma, again, is a, it doesn't cause disease in us, the mycoplasmas that affect chickens, um, but it could be a sign that there is a problem. And what I always tell people, again, you know, if you're noticing that there's a problem with the eggs and that there's a health problem, you know, this is where, again, excuse me, in a perfect world, you're going to want to submit your birds to a diagnostic lab. That's really essential um, because a diagnostic lab can help you kind of, in, in, a, in a best case scenario, they might say, hey, there's nothing wrong with your birds. Um, but in a worst case scenario, they're going to tell you, yep, you're dealing with infectious bronchitis or you're dealing with mycoplasma. And then you can work with your veterinarian or your cooperative extension veterinarian um, to kind of come up with the plan. The other thing that you can every once in a while get a white egg from, you know, you're expecting brown eggs, for example. The other thing that you can sometimes get a white egg from is um, certain coccidiostats. So coccidiostats are a classification of drugs that um, uh, reduce the likelihood of, of coccidia infections. They are essential. Um, unfortunately, they're not considered organic. Um, but I would highly recommend um, that people use coccidia stats. It's only in your chick starter feed, and it's a great way to get your, your chicks kind of started appropriately. Coccidia are ubiquitous in the environment. I am against using antibiotics kind of willy-nilly, um, but coccidia stats are a completely different um, classification. They, they, they're, they, in my mind, they are not 
um, antibiotics, and we don't have to deal with the same issues as far as antimicrobial resistance. So the big thing in food animals that we're concerned about, and I, I support this because I think there's a lot of science that supports it, uh, we're concerned that uh, feeding antibiotics consistently to food animals will result in antimicrobial resistance, will result in bacteria that are resistant to some of those antibiotics. And if we use those antibiotics or similar antibiotics or analogs of those antibiotics in humans, um, we run the risk of, of some antimicrobial resistance getting into the food supply. That is legitimate, but if we're going to talk about uh, the use of coccidia stats and that coccidia stats have the same problem, um, that would not be an accurate statement at all. So, um, but you do see when you use coccidia stats, um, you can see that, that scenario kind of play out that way. Um, hey, let me go to commercial break really quick and get this last yeah. commercial break uh, uh, out of the way. And then we'll come back and, uh, and continue and then uh, wrap up here in a little bit. So if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Maurice Pateski. We're talking about egg and shell abnormalities and fascinating. And even the beginning of the show was fascinating about some of the topics when we first bring on the Dr. Pateski or Dr. McRae or other scientists and nutritionists and vet, better, um, veterinarians that we come on. Uh, sometimes it, the, the show has its own uh, a life of its own, if you will. So let me go to commercial break. We'll come back and we'll continue with uh, Maurice. Yes. Stay with us, folks. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. How would you like to sleep in on the weekends without having to get up early to let your chickens out or not have to rush home after eating dinner to shut your chickens in for the night? And who's had the unfortunate surprise that a raccoon, possum, or fox got to your chickens because you forgot to close the coop? Well, your days of worrying have come to an end. Introducing the Chicken Guard Automatic Chicken Coop Door Opener. Working off either the timer or light sensor, Chicken Guard automatically opens your coop door in the morning to let the girls out and shuts it at night to keep them safe. Tried and trusted by over 40,000 users worldwide. Buy Chicken Guard online at chickenguardian.com or your local farm and feed store. That's chickenguardian.com. 
Sweet PDZ has been keeping horse stalls ammonia-free and healthy for nearly 33 years. However, ammonia is ammonia, regardless of the species producing it. Therefore, it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders. Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors. Safe and effective moisture absorption. All-natural, non-toxic, premium-grade zeolite mineral. Contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Calm Bach Feed. Get over here and make sure if we've got any questions in the chat room right now. Um, let's see. Okay, here's a good one. I think you had mentioned this earlier. Um, Christmas chick, uh, Lisa Pedro, had come in a little bit later, I think, in the show. So she may have missed this when you were covering kind of uh, the human health issues in egg abnormalities and things like that. Um, she did have a question on her farm, and uh, she does sell um, poultry, a different variety of poultry from her farm. So she gets a lot of questions as well. She said, someone asked me the other day, uh, they lost a chicken to what was suspected as a Merix. The hen was put down with a positive diagnosis. Um, I guess they did a necropsy. And then um, do they need to worry about the eggs that their other hens may be laying um, if they have no symptoms? So that's that's the one question we had in the chat room related to merics and eggs. Oh. Hi, can oh, you hear me? You're back. I've got you live now. Yep, sorry about that. <laughs> okay, great. That's fine. <laughs> Go ahead. Um so it's a great question. Uh so Merrick's disease is the most common cause of mortality of death in backyard chickens. Um, so it's a, it's a very relevant question. First of all, it's not zoonotic, so it's a fancy way of saying it doesn't affect uh, human health. Um, so any uh, eggs from hens that were um, from a flock that had Merrick's disease would be completely fine for you to, to, you to consume. Um, and the birds that are um, in that flock that didn't have any symptoms of Merrick's disease are still going to be carriers of Merrick's disease, um, but they'll be productive um, producers of, of eggs kind of moving forward. So um, the one thing that's really challenging with Merrick's disease, it's, it's a herpes virus, and herpes viruses are, are forever. They last for a long time uh, in the environment. So they can be, those birds that are unaffected will be carriers for life, and that's totally normal. Every, every chicken, for the most part, is in an environment where there's a lot of Merrick's disease virus floating around. 
um, because the virus is just so ubiquitous and it's it's very difficult to to inactivate. Um, so it's really important that when you have new birds and you're introducing those new birds to your flock, that you have those new birds that are vaccinated. And we can obviously have a whole show, and I'm sure we have in the past, have a whole show on yeah, Mayor's disease vaccines. Um, but just make sure those birds are vaccinated. And then the other thing that I think sometimes people forget to do is make sure all the feather dander is outside, uh, is, is cleaned up, um, because the, the virus can um, concentrate in the feather follicle. And even if you have vaccinated birds, um, by putting those vaccinated birds in an environment with a bunch of Merrick's virus in that environment, you're just you're, you're pushing the envelope. You're pushing your luck. The reality is if you get your birds vaccinated day one, it's going to take several days for those birds to mount an immune response so they can adequately fight off that virus if, when, if and when they're exposed to it. So if at day two, for example, they were in an environment with a, bunch of, with a lot of the virus, they would still be um, highly susceptible and, and potentially likely to get Merrick's disease or at the minimum be uh, carriers of that, of that virus that's in the environment. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely, and uh, that's awesome for sure. She appreciates it, and other listeners uh, as well. So thanks for that uh, question, uh, Lisa. So let's go back over to uh, where we had left off before the commercial break, and we can finish up anything on your outline and then wrap it up here in a few. Yep, sounds good. So just a couple things I wanted to mention. So um, just a a few common things that we see. So I do see um, people calling me about these eggs that are prematurely laid uh, with respect to not having a shell on them. And that does happen. Uh, It's not the end of the world. As as birds get older, um, you're more likely to see some abnormalities just because the reproductive system is, is changing and getting older. So usually it's the young birds and the old birds are where you see kind of these weird abnormalities. Um, and what I mean by young birds, birds when they first come into lay, so maybe between 16 and 20 weeks you'll have some kind of weird things going on. And then older birds in backyard hens, this is where it gets a little complicated, but I'd say birds over 40 to 50 weeks you start seeing some some things changing. Um, if you don't molt them, for example, they're more likely to have um, – uh, shells that are cracked, and I think we talked about that a, a little earlier. Um, as they age, um, birds, the, the the eggs get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you have the same amount of calcium that's put into that egg. So, you know, if you do the math or you just kind of use logic in your head, you're going to realize that the shells are going to get slightly thinner and thinner and thinner. Um, and from that, you can have a lot of problems as far as uh, cracking of eggs and things like that. So um, it's important to realize that, that you know, your things will not be, um, that there is kind of a sweet spot of production and that you will have problems at the beginning and at the end of their, at the end of their life. Um, if you do see those thin-shelled eggs, though, the, the thing that I always recommend for people is to make sure that their diet has oyster shell in it. And uh, the nice part about oyster shell is that it's very rich in calcium, as, as, kind of the, as we kind of all know. Um, but the, the shell gland, um, so the, the part of the reproductive tract that makes the, uh, the shell, that's why it's called the shell gland, um, that shell gland is, um, it, it, it does most of its work at night. And the oyster shell takes um, a long time to metabolize by the hen's uh, GI tract. So that calcium is slowly released over a long period of time. Um, so it can help the um, provide excess calcium when the hen needs it most, which is at night when it's putting on that shell gland. Um, so I'd really stress that idea. Make sure 
that whatever commercial feed you're using, and this is where I really stress, make sure you're first of all using a, a layer diet, and then make sure you're using a um, a balanced um, commercial diet. You don't want to have too much calcium. Um, so there has been some research that shows that, for example, calcium is good at chelating or binding lead. So you know, I've heard some people recommend, well, you know, if you have lead in your environment and you don't want it in your eggs or in your chickens, maybe you should add more calcium to their diet. You know, too much of a good thing is going to be a bad thing. So um, I'm really keen to always follow the, the guidelines um, for nutrition because they're there for a reason. If you have too much of anything or too little of anything, you're going to run into a lot of disease problems. And we know that with our own health. Um, sometimes we forget to kind of apply that to our chickens. But um, it's really important um, um, to make sure that we use a balanced ration. But there are, and I, I've seen them, uh, commercial diets that do have oyster shell in them as kind of an additional calcium um, type of uh, resource or, or, or source there. So I would highly recommend, especially in older hens, kind of considering that type of um, that type of ration. Um, the other thing I, I get um, kind of fairly often actually are kind of uh, these tiny holes in in eggs, um, maybe five to ten millimeters. They're they're really small. Those can actually be caused by the toenails of the hen. Um, so that's just something to kind of uh, be aware of. Um, that that can happen um, to them also. And then we talked about the double yokers and, and the primary cause of the double yokers. Um, so the last thing I just wanted to mention are, are ways to assess egg quality. And I think these are really fun to do. Um, so and you, can, you can, again, you know, get as, uh, for lack of a better word, as nerdy as you want to this. Um, but it's really interesting kind of measuring some of these uh, quality characteristics. So measuring the air cell. Um, so the air cell, when the egg is laid, there is no air cell. And then uh, very quickly, uh, the egg cools down, which causes the internal mass of the egg to, to condense a little, to, 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 to become the volume of that to become smaller. And that creates then an air cell. And the older that egg is, the, more that the larger the air cell. So you can assess the, the quality of an egg by how large of an air cell you have. So the larger the air cell, the older the egg is, and, and presumably the worse quality um, that egg will be in eventually. Although, as I think most of us know, when we do hard-boiled eggs, we always want our hard-boiled eggs to have old, to be older eggs because having that air cell there actually makes peeling the egg much easier. So, um, you know, there is kind of that, that it depends what you're going to do with the egg. Uh, if you're going to make, like, meringues and things like that, I think the food scientists always tell you to get fresh, fresh eggs. And if you're going to scramble eggs and things like that, fresh eggs are, are, are very good, too. Um, other things that you can look at when you crack the egg, um, you can um, – you can look at the position of the yolk. So uh, the yolk in a nice fresh egg will be in the center of the egg white, um, and that's because there's these 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 kind of uh, membranous um, strings called chalaze, and the chalaze basically keep the yolk in the middle of the egg. So if you do see the egg yolk kind of uh, sloshing around when you've cracked the egg on your frying pan or, or whatever it be or, or in your bowl, um, that's usually an older egg and those chalaze, those strings have kind of broken down and it's not keeping that yolk in that, in that center position. The last thing I really wanted to mention is uh, these blood and flesh specks, uh, blood spots, flesh specks, whatever you want to call them. They are not harmful, um, but, but people do see them. And, and what they are, they're just, just pieces of the oviduct, of the reproductive tract. Uh, they can be, in some situations, again, a cause, um, or no, not a cause, but a clinical sign of infectious bronchitis, uh, that respiratory disease we talked about a little earlier. So 
So it is important to keep track of that, but I have had people, you know, kind of send me pictures of, of their egg yolks or eggs. When they crack them open, they see those tiny little blood spots and, and flesh specks and things like that. Um, that can also be related to stress a little, um, but it can also be related to disease. But again, you can certainly consume those eggs. Now, the commercial folks are very keen to not have any of those defects that we just talked about um, because, you know, they're concerned that people aren't going to buy their eggs at all. Um, but backyarders, we can be a little more, um, we don't have to be as discriminating. Um, and, you know, as, as long as it doesn't affect our health at all, um, I think it's important that we, we consume those and, and then there's no problems with that all, with that at all. Um, are there any other questions, Andy, or any areas you'd like me to go into? Or? Um, no, none in the chat room. Let me check Facebook and see if we had any um a little late posting about today's show. I was rushed, but none there. We may have some show up a little bit later. And um, and then they can always email me questions, and I can get them over to you at cw at chickenwhisperer.com. We can always do that. I love the fact that when you're talking about double yogurts, everybody, I think, is like, oh, my gosh, it's so big, it might be a double yoker, and they're so excited to get one, or a triple yoke, which occasionally even happens as well. And I love the fact mm. that you're like, these are illegal. <laughs> so, well, so, so, so now we've got contraband in our backyards. And I know. I, know. <laughs> I think it's funny. There, there's there's one farm I take some vet students to, um, and they collect their double yokers and they they give them out as kind of goodies to the vet students because it's it's such a funny it's such a fun thing to uh, to kind of do. and there's nothing they can do with them so they can sell them to breaker yeah. facilities but uh, but yeah they're they're fun to they're, they're it is funny that they're illegal. I love that. I love that terminology. It cracked me up instead of saying like these aren't allowed under you know the USDA and their inspection. <laughs> they're, they're illegal. <laughs> I thought that was so funny the way you put that. It cracked me up. Caught me off guard for the illegal. Um, I, I, I'll share some with you. It's a, and I shared this uh, on Tuesday. Dr. McCray was at IPPE, so she could come on last Thursday. She came on Tuesday, and I shared this with her. And uh, I'm still looking. I'm searching very hard for white leghorn. Uh, a, a breed of white leathern that lays two eggs every day. So these are some things that I've heard in the last two weeks from, uh, I guess, I don't God, they're not, we're not even on the same level. You would say a competitor's podcast. It's brand new. They've done three episodes. And actually it's through a pretty reputable uh, magazine. So I'm surprised that some of the uh, uh, poor information that they're putting out there, I'm not, I don't know the people personally who are doing it, but um, I listened to their second episode. And, and one of the things they commented on was um, that white leatherns will lay, lay two eggs every day. And I'm still trying to find that breed because I want to buy some of those and uh, have them in my backyard. But, yeah, two two eggs every day from white leathers. And then, I don't know if you knew this, Dr. Petesky, but if you buy your chicks from a hatchery, ideal, McMurray, Strombergs, um, Cackle, that those chicks that you order, the, the, the bullets, the hens, if you order them from a hatchery, they lay all their eggs in two years. Um, so I didn't know that until I listened to this new podcast that's out now. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> They did say, hey, you know, if you buy it, the chicks from the saturates, they've laid all their eggs in two years, and then that, that's it. That's all you're getting out of this. Then you'll have to stew them. And so I heard that. And then what was the other thing that I heard on, just to, to let our new listeners know that all podcasts are not created equal? And, oh, <laughs> that the majority of chicks um, that you find in the, in, in the spring, and the farm stores and the tractor supplies and the feed and seeds, um, all of the, by far the majority of those are vaccinated. And that couldn't be further from the truth. By far, the majority, if if any, are vaccinated for anything. But um, that was those were three things that were shared on this this newbie 
uh, Chicken Podcast that I listened to a couple of weeks ago. So we've been having a little bit of fun at their expense with that, um, <laughs> with Dr. Ritzman. So I'm still in search of that white leg and they lay two eggs every day for me. And um, I'm not buying hatchery chicks anymore because they'll just, they lay all their eggs in two years. All 14,000 or however many they have up there in the, in the ovum, it's in two years they've laid them all. And then, um, yeah, that uh, all the chicks are vaccinated. You get at a farm store, which opposite truth. So just to let our new listeners know that not all podcasts are created equal. And if you caught the beginning of this one, you, you definitely realized that when we were getting into some deep scientific conversation about things that I think are interesting, even for the soccer mom with six hens in the backyard, I think it could be fascinating and amazing on how deep we can get to talking about our backyard uh, poultry. And that's the goal here, science-based, fact-based, study-based information. Same goes for our magazine, our podcast, our books, everything that we do to give you the right information. So I can sleep at night knowing I'm not giving that information out to our fans and listeners. So, uh, Doc, again, kind of the same thing here. Awesome show, great information, very uh, uh, topic that's, that everybody who owns backyard chickens can, uh, can benefit from. So we definitely thank you for coming on today. And I'll work out together, and I think I'll probably get it corresponding with uh, the magazine article, which we'll do about the, the vitamin the China issue and things like that. And, and then maybe we can do one with the insect, too. I think that's a good topic we need to set aside for maybe the magazine and for things that you're doing there at the farm at UC Davis. And I think that's, that's a great topic that we can uh, do both podcasts and, and articles for. So that'll be super. But thank you very much for spending some time with us today. And we'll see you again by the second Thursday of March. So uh, uh, blessings until then. Great. You too. Good talking to you, Andy. Great. Thanks for having me. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's uh, Dr. Maurice Pateski, poultry veterinarian out at UC Davis. He comes on once a month, the second Tuesday of every single month. He's here sharing his vast knowledge about uh, backyard poultry. Again, if you enjoy the show, just remember the show is brought to you by our really, really, really good friends uh, over in the sponsor every show, our premier sponsor here at Chicken Whisper, um, and that is our good friends over at Calm Bok Feeds. Get Calm Bok, Calm Bok, Bok, Calm Bok. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All right, guys, thank you very much for tuning in today. We'll be back next Thursday. Uh, next Thursday will be the third Thursday of the month, and we'll have, again, uh, poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McCray. Um, she's an extension specialist as well uh, out of uh, Auburn University uh, there in Alabama. So uh, she'll be joining us next Thursday. We'll have a great topic for you. But uh, go ahead, head, us over, head over to uh, chickenwhisperer.com. Check out our books that we have available, The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, the brand-new book that came out last month, uh, Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, where we just blow these myths out of the water that you see on these blogs and forums and other places, I guess now, podcasts, a TV show about chickens that nothing has ever fact-checked. So um, definitely check out our magazine, our books, podcast here, Facebook page, our website, uh, the whole nine yards. And uh, we'll see you next Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio. God bless everybody. Uh-huh. Thank you.